Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and they them pronouns, a community engagement manager here at MCP. And I am joined by Livia Matayuchi, she her pronouns, a college counselor at an independent school near Seattle, and Pauline Salgado, she her pronouns, a youth mental health counselor at a nonprofit organization in Seattle. Now, listeners, this is a really, really um, exciting moment for me because I worked with Livia at um, DC as sixth grade English teachers. So that was back in like 2016, 17, 18, something like that. It's, it's been a while. And then Pauline and I worked together when I moved to Washington State and Pauline was the middle school counselor. So, um, and that was in 2020. So different parts of my life, which is wild. And now we're all in the same space. So uh, welcome Pauline and Livia. Thanks so much for having me. Hello. (laughs) It's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. Before we get started, what is bringing you joy currently? We'll start with you, Livia. Um, I had a really wonderful weekend last weekend. A friend of mine did a kind of plan for us a spontaneous like trip out to um, the Chelan region of Washington that has a lot of Lake Chelan is in that area. And there was like this folk light, this folk band that my friend found on TikTok that it was a free concert and we um, and we just went and the concert was at some like winery and the moon rode over moon rose over the mountain. And I was like, is this my life now? Like I like, I mean, living from like moving from DC to out here, I'm like, it is just beautiful out here. And, um, yeah, I, it, it was one of those moments where I was like, this is an incredible place to live. And just really grateful for friends like that too, who are adventurous and can do like are open to spontaneous things like that. Um, and just music and outdoors and wineries and just what else what else is there <laughs> lovely so yeah and, and it's really interesting too because you and I both did this this move from one Washington to another Washington right so DC to Washington and then DC is beautiful in its own way and Washington is just a whole new world right like I really, 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 really love Washington State and everything that it has to offer. Um, and it's it's interesting because I'm currently in Montgomery, Alabama, and I'm like, wow, I miss Washington State. And also, like, Montgomery is also beautiful in its own way. Um, and so just seeing, like, the different the differences between um, areas and states in this in this country is really interesting, too. So um, what about you, Pauline? Um, For me, it's probably going on like mini dates with my friends. So I don't know why something about middle school is like connects to me, but I met my friends in middle school and we've all kind of like grown up and people are married, people are having babies. And so it's been really nice to like intentionally see each other like from time to time. So, So I get to see them this weekend. So that's been really nice to like celebrate our friendship. Oh, that sounds so, so lovely. Uh, My best friend is actually a best friend from middle school, so I can definitely relate. I love that. Just like being able to see each other's growth through the decades, (laughs) right? Because it's decades. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, All right. So tell us more about who you are and how you started your counseling journey. We'll start with you, Livia. 
So I think what brings me to, to counseling, to college counseling is, you know, having worked as an English teacher for a number of years, I like know I really love like working with students. Um, I love working with them in a really kind of close way. I, when I decided I wanted to leave teaching, I knew that I still wanted to be like in the school building to work with students, like on a mostly consistent basis, but just in a different environment. So um, college counseling for me has just been a really beautiful like blend of like having some more of my quiet time throughout the day, but still meeting with students regularly. And I think for me, one of my favorite parts really is helping them feel supported in whatever their next step looks like. You know, I think a lot of students come in with so many questions and concerns and anxieties around people's expectations to so be able to meet them where they're at and then help provide them resources for them to kind of leave high school feeling empowered with what their next step looks like. Um, I feel like I could have been, a, I was a part of that is, is, is huge. And I think from the English teaching side of it too, like helping students craft really powerful personal narratives and essays that really reflect their strengths, see them as the heroes of their own story. I mean, like I love reading student essays all the time, which I know not everyone does and a lot of students don't. So I'm really glad I can be that person for those students. Um, so that's just something that has brought me a lot of joy. And that's something I'm really excited about um, in this role. Yeah. And I'm just so happy for like all the growth that you've done. Like it's been, I think when you first started teaching, it was like your first year teaching, right, Livia? Second year, but yeah. Second yeah. year. Yeah. Second year with me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Livia's on it. And then like to kind of just be with you in this journey of like now trans, you know, just kind of switching to, to counseling. It's been so beautiful to just witness. So thank you for that. What about you, Pauline? Um, so my counseling journey is kind of unconventional. Like I've never planned to to kind of be where I am. Um, I think going to school, I knew that I always wanted to work with kids, but I think my pathway at the time, I really wanted to do PT, go to PT school, um, but found it like super challenging. Um, and just like through that experience, I ended up like meeting a lot of mentors that really helped me get through college. Um, after college, I spent some time doing community organizing as well as um, just like working in nonprofits. I tried teaching for a bit, found that I'm not very good. Um, so um, just like through all of those experiences, I ended up finding like a counseling program and found that I actually really love working like one on one with kids. And so um, just being connected to community in a way and co co connected to a school without um Without having those teaching skills, like I, I wish I did. I feel I have so much love for teachers, but also having like the ability to just like connect with kids on a different level um, that just kind of like opened my eyes to kind of like exploring a field that I never thought I would ever join, um, especially with mental health. I, I, th I think that's something that um, now is like very um, like well accepted. I know that there's still stigma, but um, it is really nice to like be in a space where um, we are having conversations about mental health um, regularly. Yeah. And thank you for that segue. You know, listeners, it's October. Our theme for this month is really social, emotional learning, emotional intelligence, whatever, everything and anything that deals with emotions, honestly. Right. Um, and so like just teaching students and our learners how to navigate this like world um, while they're also just learning and teaching themselves. Right. And so uh, this is such an important conversation that needs to be had. I definitely felt like when I first started teaching, I would have loved something like this. Um, and so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you all.
Um, and thank you for sharing your journey, Pauline. Um, also, listeners, Pauline is Filipino, so <laughs> just you know, I'm always <laughs> just fighting the Filipinos, y'all. It's been fun. Um, so, Livia, you and I worked together as, as sixth grade English teachers in DC, like I said before, and we both implemented modern classroom actually. And now we're both in Washington doing other things, which is mind-boggling to me. And so, the universe is just incredible, right? Um, so, you're a college counselor right now. How do you think the skills that we taught back in 2019 can be helpful for students as they transition into college? And then also just like a question for me as a middle school educator, what does a college counselor do? Because I have no idea. Yeah, both great questions. Um, I'll answer the second one first, actually, because I think it might be helpful for, for some folks. Because um, I think students are often confused about this, too, because in my office, we have school counselors yeah, and we have college counselors. So yeah, as a college counselor, I work with mostly 11th and 12th graders as they're kind of looking into what do they want their post-secondary path to be. For our school, 90, 98% of our students go to a four-year college, but some, you know, go to a two-year or military or right into the the workforce or gap year. So I kind of help students discern like that path for them, give them different options and help them explore careers and majors. Um, and then if the decision is they want to pursue a four-year degree, then kind of researching colleges thinking of my favorite part is one of my favorite parts is like the essay writing part like because like the English teacher me just like loving that um so working with students on finding their voice in their writing which I meant to mention earlier was part of the reason I also wanted to go into college counseling was just that connection of like finding your voice through advocating for yourself in this next step um anyway so when I work with students in that way, it's like I very much like meet them where they're at in high school to help see them forward into like the next chapter and steps to get them there. The school counselors, at least in you know in my department, my school are more like you know working on our the high the high school's like schedules, like the students' schedules, like throughout their high school experience. Um, of course, like mental health, social emotional things that come up sometimes interpersonal conflict with other students, um, that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, so that was sort of like, I guess our distinction, at least like at, at our school, how we do like school counseling versus college counseling. But um, yeah, in terms of the skills, I, I think about this a lot because, you know, similarly, when we were teaching sixth grade, I feel like there were some sixth graders who are ready for high school. Like they beautifully crafted emails, knew how to like have a conversation with the adult and other sixth graders that were like, ah, I don't, my whole essay, my whole like email is in my subject line of, of, of the email I sent to my teacher, right? So I think you get a bit of that, not the same extent, but I think working with 11th and 12th graders, I think teaching kids or having kids, seeing if kids have had those skills of like, do you know how to advocate for yourself? I mean, that's huge for college counseling is like, do you know how to schedule a meeting like with your college counselor, do you know how to like send an email to me, send an email to a college rep? So that's a really big one, like teaching them like, like email etiquette. Um, and I think, I mean, I think, you know, with modern classrooms, like self-pacing is such a huge thing, obviously. And I think that's a huge part of the college counseling process too, is like, we have this whole checklist for you to go through throughout the whole, both senior year, but also junior year and all four years, if you really want to go, go crazy with it. So it's really, that is a master class, And like, can you with, with guidance, you know, like go through this process of applying uh, for your next steps um, without necessarily always having like a leaderboard or a check, something like to check through. Right. I mean, it's, it's us as adults, like checking in with the kids, but um, it's really interesting to see which of those, which students seem to 
know how to check in with themselves and their checklist and kind of move through steps and which of them are like, I don't even know where to start. I am drowning, you know, like, so I, I think a lot of my job and a lot of what I'm like always working on is figuring out where students are at mentally, which is sometimes different than what they say out loud, like, oh, I'm fine. And actually they're not right. Um, so kind of figure out where they are and then what resources I can give them at that moment to meet them where they are that answers their questions, but also doesn't create overwhelm with too much information. So there's a little bit of like, there's a lot of different, like, mix, like kind of a jigsaw situation, but um, so that was a very long winded answer, but that was sort of, Hopefully that helps. No, I no that 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 I mean it helped provide clarity, right? So, for example, right when I was talking to you about having a counselor episode for podcast, you were really quick to be like, "Hey, Tr, I'm a college counselor. Just wanted to confirm that you knew the difference." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, we'd love that. <laughs> we want to talk more about what that means and what that entails, right?" And so, thank you for clarifying that and defining exactly what your role is. Um, and then, as far as like modern classroom, when you were thinking or when you were talking through it, I I was just thinking about the self pacing piece, right, and like the advocacy as well, right? Um, with self pacing, students really learn how to basically do like time management and prioritizing things, right? So like, hey, let's think about what our must do's are and what our should do's and aspire to do's are. And then like thinking about the time and how long it'll take. Um, and I love this whole like providing them support. Um, and so giving them some guidance, right? Um, and just making sure that they're good, but they're going to do it on their own pace. Um, and like you, like Livia, you really shined when we were teaching together with like chunking for students, right? Like you were always thinking about how do we scaffold this for students so that they feel supported, they feel confident, they feel good about what they're learning and teaching each other, right? And so that was something that you did for me, which is always constantly pushing for me to be like, okay, but how do we make this make sense to a an 11 year old? Because <laughs> I'd be like, oh, no, this is great. And you're like, uh, yes. And here are all the gaps that we need to consider as well. So I think chunking in middle school, right, um, is also really, really powerful for high school or for any age, actually, because like as an adult now, I, you have to chunk for me because everything else is going to go, you know, over my head. So um, I appreciate that. Thank you for reflecting on that. Um, and I really do like miss our like MCP sixth grade team when we were teaching together. So much fun. It was just so much fun. And I always tell folks to like, we need to have, um, you need to have a teacher bestie do this thing with you because it makes it that much better for mental and emotional health <laughs> as, as a teacher, right? Because um, again, we're like shifting our teaching and learning practices. So thank you again for that. Now we're going to, we're going to shift to Pauline. Um, so this is kind of like, um, uh, I don't want to say like a downer, <laughs> but Pauline, like you and I worked together in Washington and you've witnessed me in my darkest moment. So you and I worked in 2020 and that was when my mom actually passed away. And there was an instance where you just saw me like having a moment, just like break down in the car. And I just remember you just walking up to me and just being like, Hey, are you okay? And then like, you just took care of me. I felt taken care of that school year and I'm not even a student, right? Like I'm staff. And that wasn't really in my head. That wasn't your role, but you still kind of stepped up and made sure that I was okay. Um, and so 
you and I started kind of having this relationship um, where I kind of got to know a little bit more about what you do for the school that we were at. And, and you worked really closely with our middle school students. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your role as a school counselor then? Um, and then also, right, like you're a licensed mental health counselor in, um, in schools now. So like, what does that mean exactly? Like, what's the difference? What's the similarity? Um, tell us more. Yeah. I guess just to piggyback off what you were mentioning, like, I know that, I don't know if you like you've all been hearing how like, you know, conversations right now about mental health is about boundary setting and setting, um, I don't know, just being clear with expectations. And I know, um, like sometimes when that gets translated in a professional setting or in a school setting, right, like we're taught to, you know, turn off our emotions or you're not allowed to like kind of like show up as yourself even though when that's like the reality um and so I don't know I, I just like go into my job thinking like yes this is my job to support kids and I need to have like a healthy boundary of like what's work and what's not work um but at the end of the day like this is real life and if, if I'm gonna like be interacting with like kids and like my peers and my colleagues like I'm gonna treat them as if like we were just like humans I don't know if that's like a like the best way to articulate it but uh it's kind of like modeling for kids that it's okay to like express these emotions and um they shouldn't have to feel shame for for doing that just because like that's what leads you to you know like feel authentically or like be able to like reach out for help um and I guess that that's like like kind of leads into my role as like a a school counselor um I won't take credit for for like quoting this but my like one of my classmates in grad school, they termed it as like school counselors are the social conscience of the school. Um, we kind of see the ins and outs for the problem solvers. We take the heartbeat of the school. We see trends and we have like this unique position where we literally have some sort of contact with every stakeholder in the school, like staff, um, students, families, community members, um, just like everybody. We just have we're able to make that connection somehow, whether it's like work related or not. Um, but we have this unique perspective where we kind of have to know everything um, and also know how to problem solve everything. Cause usually we're kind of the first people to that, you know, that staff go to when like a student has a problem and they've tried to problem solve it themselves. It's, they usually come to our office and say like this, this student's struggling, like, what do I do? Um, so it's really hard when I when I meet people and they ask like, oh, you're a counselor. And then they automatically think I'm like a mental health counselor. But I'm like, no, I'm actually a school counselor. And they're like, what does that mean? Um, so it's like, it's a lot of things, right? It's like, we provide short term counseling, crisis counseling, we teach PD, social emotional skills, we advocate for students, we create policy, um, we plan events, it's, it's kind of like everything. And so um, it was like at the time, like it was really nice to be able to be in this like fluid space where I got to interact with um, like students in different ways. Um, one of my favorite memories at, at Overlake was just opening my space up for students. Um, and it wasn't even like for a counseling role or like counseling purpose. It was just to like have students eat lunch. Um and so kids would just like hang out in there um, throughout the day during lunch. And then um, some kids didn't even like make the connection that I was the counselor at the school. So it really helped when 
you know, kids were struggling or like they really needed someone to talk to, they they found out that I was the school counselor. So it was like it made it really easy to like connect with kids in that way. And whatever support that that might be, it could be short term counseling or helping them get accommodations, like whatever that was. Um, like even if I didn't know how to provide the support they specifically needed, I would just figure it out and make it work. So every day was different. Every day was hard, but um, it was really, it really challenged my brain to have to like problem solve different things each day. But um, I found it really rewarding to be able to like make those connections with those kids. I really love that. And now I'm thinking too, Pauline, like we're going to go off script a little bit, right? Um, Livia, do you remember like interacting with counselors as an educator when we were back in DC? Because I don't remember. I only remember more so like if I had a student in crisis and a, and, and a counselor would come down to check in with them. Um or if the student had a regular like schedule, like a regular standing like like appointment, I guess with a counselor. But no, I not not a ton to be honest. Yeah, right. Like for me, I like even forgot that they existed up until I was at Overlake with you, Pauline, and you like just like magically showed up wherever I was. And I was like, oh my gosh, school counselors. Like, yeah. And so, okay, as counselors now, how often do y'all um, collaborate with educators? So it's funny, actually, that you like um, asked that question because I actually was just emailing teachers today about, so just on the college side, you know, we have um, letter of rec, you know, st- teachers have to write letters of rec for their students. Um, some some teachers, you know, like usually it's 11th grade teachers um, who teach like a core academic subject. So I actually was emailing teachers today, like folks who are new to our school or new to letter writing, like an email, like, Hey, like I have like open office hours. If you want to come by, ask any questions about how to use our platform, Naviance, how to like write a letter of rec. Like I never want to feel like I am like mansplaining or whatever, like the other term for that. I never want to seem like I'm like, I'm speaking down to anyone's so I'm always like you know I'm available if you would like support otherwise I, I mean I know from experience you know how busy teachers are so I never want to put more on their plan I'm really cognizant of that honestly of like not sending too many email I really don't email teachers a lot I try to find them in person like because I know that email can just get really bogged down unless they ask me to email them um but because we don't we really interface more of them when it comes to letter of rec writing or like if I have a question about a student in their class or something like that but um yeah, I think it might be more for, for my colleagues who are school counselors. Um, for us, for me, I have to work a lot, more, a lot more with students and then with like college reps, I would say. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that like, actually, Pauline, I'll, I'll let you answer and then I have a follow up question for both of y'all. Well, in my current, so my current role is a little bit different. I'm like not um, with a specific school district. I actually work with like multiple school districts now, but um it's a little bit different now that, you know, I'm not an employee with the school, but I do um, communicate with the school counselor a lot. Like I really rely on them to kind of, um, it's kind of like a care, care team. Like, I guess like that would be the best way to work. Like maybe the school counselor would like rope in this teachers and um, whatever other supports that they have at the school. But it is a lot of like sharing of information, um, updating if a kid is, um, I don't know, for example, hospitalized or if they need certain supports at school because they'll be missing school. It's a lot of um, sharing information to advocate for the kid. 
And I guess my follow-up question is like, do you both wish that you had more communications with educators? And if so, like, what would that look like? Like, what would you want the educators to know about the students that you work with? I think for me, I, I actually, I mean, if I had like limitless time, like LOL, I would love to like sit in on a couple of like 11th and 12th grade classes to actually see how my students like interact with other peers is like so we i'm one of two college counselors for 11th and 12th grade so we split up our class by the alphabet so i do last names a to k so i have about 75 students in 12th grade and about 75 in 11th grade but i see most of those students really one-on-one or in very small groups like during study hall and i you know like students are so different one-on-one or they can be versus like in the classrooms i actually this is just, I, I wish there was a way for me to kind of pop into classes more and like, like just be kind of a fly on the wall more and to hear like teachers' perspectives of like, what is this student? Like, who do they hang out with? What are their interests? Because a lot of times students come to me, they're either super quiet and they're like, you're in the headlights or they're like, yep, there's like 10 page bullet, bulleted list of everything I have to do. So I just think I'd love to find a way to collaborate with teachers where I see kind of their perspectives on students to help kind of meet them more where they're at. Cause I, you know, I always tell students this, like, you know, I'm writing a counselor letter, counselor letter of rec from you, but like, I really don't know you super well. I mean, your teachers know you so much more, like so much better. Um, so I always tell the kids to like, try as much as they can to like, you know, they, they felt these like surveys for us ahead of time before letter of rec writing. I'm like, please take time on that because like, I would love to spend more time with you to get to know you. I just don't have the same kind of t- face time as like you do with your teacher. So um, I think it was a roundabout way of saying like, I, I was, I would love to get, you know, more involved with the teachers, but I think, you know, time is always like such a, like a scarce resource too. So just thinking about like what makes sense and also not wanting to ever give teachers more to do too. Cause I'm so aware of how much there is on the teaching end. I mean, I loved it. But I also like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm anyway, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Time is always like a gift that I like to give back to our educators. And like, if there's no need for us to meet for 60 minutes, let's not meet for 60 minutes, right? Like take this time back and do what you got to do with it. Um, So it's a great point. And also just like the whole relationship piece, right? Like it's so important for us to really get to know our students, to see them as a whole human being and not just parts and segments of it too, right? And and I'm just going to plug in again, right? With our model, like we were able to see our students, um, I don't want to say like fully, but for me, it was fully. I felt like they showed up truly as themselves. They were a hot mess and I loved every second of it. Um, So yeah, no, thank you for that. Livia, what about you, Pauline? I would agree with Livia in terms of just like becoming a team with with educators, just because I've gotten into some sticky, sticky points where sometimes I'll have like a kid come in and will problem solve something and then I'll... um, hear something from the educator and they're different and then I, I get put in the middle and then they don't want to like talk to each other about it because like they want to sp- respect each other's privacy um but it's always been helpful to just like put both you know the educator and the student in the room it's like how can we all brainstorm together to figure out like how can we best support you in the classroom because obviously you're struggling and your teacher like wants to help but doesn't know how if they don't have enough information right they're just like given like pieces and glimpses because you know if a kid's struggling they'll just show up differently in the classroom than they would in my office so being able to feel comfortable about having these conversations and also support the kid there if like something an educator says it's like a little bit um 
like not the best and vice versa with the student it's like we got to be really clear of like what your needs are and how to ask for them so it is a good practice to um have them um state their needs yes it's that the advocating piece right like even as an adult now in my 30s mid 30s who i struggle with advocating for myself so it's definitely a skill that uh we need to continue to practice um okay so are there any best practices or innovative approaches that you've seen in the field of counseling that have had a significant impact on student success? Being in my second year as a college counselor, I think I'm still learning. I'm like still learning a lot. So I think I'm still kind of learning more about um, just like different platforms that are like, that are good to use for students, like ways to sift through information, um, but not on the learning journey, but it's been good. Um, but yeah, I think, I think in part for me, yeah, it's, it's, I, I look a lot to just folks who are, who've been in, in college counseling like longer than I have, which is most people and just like learning about what has worked well for you, like what hasn't. And like when we go to like local conferences and like, I will ask somebody, you know, are you using this platform? Like if so, how, like, is it worth the, the financial commitment of your school, like kind of learning about that. And I, I think so much about like working smarter, not harder. So like looking to peers at other like high schools near us, being like what is working well for their department and what can we learn from? Um, and then I'll ask I'll just ask students like, did this thing, like I made this like canvas page with all of our like websites. Like, do you look at it? Is it helpful? Like, what do you want to see on here? You know? So trying I, as in this process, trying to like understand more like what's needed. And I think one thing I meant to mention earlier too, in terms of just college counseling as a role is one thing to keep in mind is, I mean, college counseling as a profession is fairly new. Like, I mean, I know t- talking to like my parents and to like the parents of some of my students, even like, you know, I college counseling as a role did not exist like 20, 30 years ago. Like, you know, so I think like there's also just some nuance in terms of like, what does our role look like? Cause college is getting, a lot crazier in terms of that whole industry, if you will. Like, so anyway, there's just a lot of different thoughts in there. A lot of, and a lot of people are still learning what all this looks like, especially with, I mean, the SCOTUS case with, with, you know, test optional policies because of COVID. I mean, there's a lot of changes. So best practices, I think that is also shifting over time because things keep changing. So I think you have to give yourself a little bit more credit, Livia. Best practice is asking the students what they need. That, in my opinion, is like the number one thing that you could do because those are the, the those are our consumers, if you want to say, our clients, right? And so, like, bringing them in into the the decision making, or even just being like, "Hey, I did this thing. What are your thoughts?" <laughs> and you know, like working with middle school, I mean, Pauline too. Like, if you ask them something, they'll tell you all the things, <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, okay, this is actually crap." Thank you. <laughs> um, and that in itself is best practice. And I think sometimes, you know, as educators, school leaders, you know, staff, we sometimes forget to ask students for their opinions. So I think that that's something to keep in mind to listeners, whatever you're doing, innovating in the classroom, you know, outside of the classroom, always ask the students what works for them and they'll give you the best ideas. Right. And so, Pauline, what about you? What have you come across? Oh my God, that was like the perfect segue because I was literally going to say something similar where like regardless of what or whatever therapy approach I use, like I always gravitate towards anything that's like person centered, like any approach. It's just I'm just going to focus on the kid and treat them as, you know, a unique person and 
um, kind of go from there and follow their lead. So like the school that I currently work at, um, there's a lot of kids that come from immigrant backgrounds, um, a lot of them youth of color. So, um, you know, being like a youth, there's not a lot of opportunities to, I don't know, they're, they're just in a position where they don't have access to a lot of things or they don't have a lot of power in things, especially like navigating healthcare, like, man, all the, all the things that they have to go through just to access us with insurance stuff. Like it's, it's wild. Like I, I can't even explain it. I'm confused sometimes. And so when I go and I meet with a kid, I think it's kind of like off-putting at first or like they're surprised that they're like, oh, you're like asking me like what you want to do or what I want to talk about um, and kind of like lead the discussion. Like I just see myself as a person to support them and like not give them advice. Like I really want to empower them to feel like, um, you know, like this is your treatment. Like you get to choose what you want to do and um, what decisions you want to make. And I'm just going to support you. Maybe there are times where like decisions are hard and you might not think that this is the best, but I'm just going to listen in and kind of like guide you. Cause you know, at the end of the day, like you know yourself best, no one else does. Um, and so it is really nice to kind of sit down with them and just be like, okay, like what, do you, where do you want to start? And they just stare at me sometimes because they're like weird. Like no one asks, gets to ask me this question ever. Can I jump in? Because I just was like vibing so much, Pauline, what you were saying, because I think I actually use a lot of the same language with my students too, in terms of um, the last part where you said, like, I taught my students all the time, like, my job is not to tell you like, what to do. My job is to give you option, is to provide resources and information and guidance and counsel, like offer suggestions, but my job is not to tell you what to do. And I always tell students, like, I will support you no matter what. This is your life. This is your decision. This is your future. As it's your future, it's not your parents' future. It is your future. And like, I was like, and I, so I very much similar to you, like just um, try to give them all the, like, the information, the questions they have up front. Like when I have my first meeting with them, I'll say like, oh, are there specific questions you want to make sure that we cover today? And some students are like, oh, yes, thank you for asking. I already have these questions. Others are like, wait, you're asking me? Like, why are you, you're the one who's in charge, right? And like, what is this, you know? And then, but, and then the end of the meeting, I usually end with like, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we touch on. And I just, sometimes I get like the whole like, no, you did a really good job. Thank you. <laughs> like, which is like this cute, the sweetest thing. Cause I think, I think, you know, the teenagers like, why are you asking for my like, like, okay, like sign off, you know, like, but I think it is a kind of to your point. Um, I think when we give students the space to be like, no, like your, your thoughts, your opinions, like your perspective on this matters, um, you know, I think is really just valuable. And I, and I just try really hard to like, not do it be like a good cop or bad cop to students, but it'd be like, this is all the resources. Like this is what a balanced college list would look like for you. And this would look different than someone else next to you. And like, that's, not, that's coming from a place of like care and supporting you as a whole person and not just looking at your GPA. Um, but like really trying to like center students in that. And I always try to tell students too, like, I mean, I'm like a fast talker. I get really excited. I get like, I have like six different tabs open in my brain all the time. So I'll tell kids like, if I don't make sense, if I'm talking too fast or if I, something I'm saying doesn't make sense, can you please like stop me and interrupt me or like 
even like it's a you know, I'm in my office, like you know, raise your hand, something flagging me down that I'm like zooming ahead, right? And I think the more that I talk with students, like after the first meeting, they're like, oh yeah, 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 okay, great. Like, and I having that rapport, I feel like I have to work really hard in that the half hour chunks we get just to be okay, like. Like, I want you to be able to trust me. Like, I care about you. Like, how can we make the most of our time together? Because it is probably similar to you, Pauline, too. Like, precious time. We don't have a ton of time with these students all day, every day. So how can we make the most of it? Help them feel empowered and supported and be able to access resources on their own to and not just, like, in my office. But how do they know? Do they know how to use the College Board website? Do they know how to read the FIS guide? Like, do they know what these percentages mean for them. Like, as if so, then that means I've been helping them. But if they have to come back every other day with a new question that, like, I, I feel like at a certain point, similar to, like, modern classrooms perspective of, like, teaching them skills, that then they can answer some of their own questions as well. So of course, we're always here as guidance, but then also helping them kind of scaffold up as well. Uh, no, that was that was really great. I mean, a couple of things came up for me. We had an episode, Melody Maitland. I don't know if you remember her, um, Livia, but she said something really powerful to me. Um, she said that we want to do things with students and not do things to students, right? Those prepositions. And Pauline, I don't know about you, but me being like being Filipino, prepositions are hard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> but that one actually really like resonated with me. I was like, oh, I can understand that, right? Like, doing with students as opposed to doing to students. Those are two different actions. And so I really like this whole thinking about giving our students our youth voice because sometimes we don't as a society. We find kids or youth to be like, oh, they don't know any better. And it's actually they know more than we do sometimes. So it's really nice to it's a nice reminder to like let our let our students be who they are, right? And ask the questions and also like make decisions. They can make decisions. And like you said, Pauline, like they they know themselves more than anyone in this world, right? Because they have to sit with themselves all the time. And so, yeah, I, I just, I'm like, uh, you know, I wish I had that when I was growing up. Like I wish I had someone to be like, to ask me questions because I would have definitely made different decisions if someone were there to guide me through all of the next steps. So um, I, I appreciate you both sharing that. So Pauline, you've mentioned this before, right? In recent years, importance of mental health and education has gained significant attention. Like I'm kind of surprised that it gained so much traction and also so grateful that it has. Um, and so how do, and you kind of alluded to this already or, or answered it, right? Like how do school counselors address the mental health needs of students? And you said just like being there, providing a space for them to just show up and be themselves authentically and sit with their feelings and acknowledge their feelings, right? Um, and then what resources and, or strategies are available to support students' well-being? I think that one is a really important question too, especially for educators who just have no idea how to support our students in that way. Oh, this is such a hard question to answer. It's like trying to solve all the world's problems. Um, I feel like every school is different. And I think that's the part that sucks is that like not every school building has like a mental health counselor that's just on site available. Um, like the school that I'm at, I'm only there twice a week and then I'm off to a different school district on the other two days. So it's really hard to just like have one mental health counselor like and then serving as many kids as I could can like in one day right and and that you know that tires me out too 
Um, and, and, yeah. And Pauline, I'm just thinking too, like the two days that you're there, it's like kind of saying, oh no, you can only have a mental breakdown on Mondays and Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only time we have support. That is wild to think about, right? That is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just save all that you want to talk about when I come back on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I just wish like every school had like a mental health professional, at least two, you know, like, it's that's not even enough. But um, I guess just like what I learned from just like the current role that I'm in. So I've been at my organization for about a year, like over a year. Um, and we have like a great team of clinicians. And it's really specific. Um, we target specific needs. So our organization primarily serves populations in King County that identify as Asian, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, just because our clinicians are made of different um, folks that speak the languages, right? So we get like this cultural connection where we can like work with families, where there's this barrier of like, oh, I can't trust my kid or trust myself to have counseling if I don't trust you or like, I need some sort of thing that connects us. Um, so. I've had a couple kids say that it's been really nice to have like an Asian counselor because they're like that. I've never seen that before. And I was like, wow, that's super sad, but I'm grateful to be here. Um, but at the same time, like because the the need is so high that like our organization is working with King County to work in different school districts just to work with any student. And the weird thing is, is that like regardless of your you have government insurance, whether your parents have insurance, there's this barrier of like, I'm still a minor and like, can I still access mental health, right? So in Washington state, we have this like, um, this law where if you're over the age of 13, you can't access mental health without the consent of uh, a caregiver. So that's really awesome. That's so amazing. like schools are a safe place for kids who are already going there. Um, all they have to do is like talk to their school counselor. They refer to, to us and then they show up. We're kind of like, we just like deploy ourselves into the school. Um, and then like, we can like provide counseling there on site. Um, and everything's confidential unless they want us to like communicate with their families. Obviously, like we would love family support, you know, just cause those are the people that they're living with, but obviously not every family are close or maybe they're the source of their stress. And so being able to like, just be there they don't have to worry about transportation or like their families finding out um and then you know support them as much as they can until they you know when they graduate high school so I wish there was more stuff like this because like I don't know it would be amazing for kids to just like have their own therapist or like if they feel like they need a therapist they don't have to like go through their insurance and wait like three months for one because it's it's really hard out there guys it's like super hard out there right now <laughs> Yeah, I, I can attest to that. It's really, really, I, I mean, it's the first time ever I've gone through so many therapists and it is the first time ever that I have a, a Filipina therapist. Um, now, I would love to have a queer Filipina, but I <laughs> that is such a like a small amount of therapists out there that are queer and Filipina. And so I, I appreciate you naming the fact that there are barriers and also just what you shared about Washington state, um, where if you're above 13, you get access. Like I knew I liked Washington state, right. I was getting to like it more and more. And so like the more I learned about Washington state, I'm like, wow, that is actually a really dope practice. And like, you're right, Pauline, like, I wish this is something that all students can access because 
when we talk about therapy and mental health, it doesn't mean, cause you know, there's still that stigma that like you're crazy if you need a therapist or like something's wrong with you mentally, if you need a therapist. And it's like, well, as humans, we go through so many things in life and we really need to have time to process and have a conversation and debrief about what's happening so that we continue to be better and not get stuck in a cycle. Right. Um, and I, when you were talking about working specifically with Asians and um, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders, right? Like that just, that's so exciting because I know that there's also numbers out there where I think it's Asian immigrants that have like the highest like mental health issues, but like refuse to go see a therapist, right? Like something like that, Pauline, am I, am I messing that up? Yeah, no, no, that you're right. Especially Filipinos specifically. (laughs) (laughs) That's so wild. Y'all. So if you're Filipino, please go seek help. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, it's wild because it's just wild to think about, right. That there's still such, like we're we're starting to accept therapy, but there's still such a stigma in certain cultures as well. So, um, thank you for sharing that, Pauline. Um, I, I love just be. This is kind of like my way of catching up with you because it's been what like two years since we've talked. So this is really really great. Um, okay, well, Olivia, we're gonna shift, right? Like it, this is great because it's like y'all are both still counselors and still so different, right? Like the roles are just so different. Um, and one thing that I was thinking too was when I was in K twelve school, we had a guidance counselor who like did all of it, but like did all of it poorly. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to call any names, <laughs> but like it was there. It just wasn't. And, and it's probably because like they didn't have capacity because they were doing all the things for like, and they were the only person for that entire school. So I get it. So no shade thrown there or anything. Um, so like, okay, Livia, like what role do college counselors play in helping students explore potential career paths and majors? You talked about this a little bit in the beginning too, um, of just having conversations with them to see what they're interested in, to see what they want their lives to look like in the next couple of years. Right. And so how do, how do like college counselors assist in aligning students' interests and strengths with their educational choices? Um, this is a very loaded question, right? Because it's like, you have your family's opinion, <laughs> you have your teacher's opinion, you have your friends, and then like, what do you really want to do next? And then how can you deep, like, how can you dig deep down to where you can actually listen to that voice that you really should be listening to as how outside mm-hmm. of like everything else. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and your prefrontal cortex is still developing too. Right. So it's just like, it's like what's happening. Um, yeah. Um, no, really good question. Like, yeah, obviously a lot of layers there. I think, well, one thing I'm really excited about is that when I first started at this school last year, I was one of two college counselors for just, for just for the whole high school, just two college counselors. And now we hired a third person this year. So our third college counselor is specifically for ninth and 10th grade. Um, and then we have, and then myself and another college counselor are 11th and 12th grade. So, so that's new this year. And, we're, and, and part of the reason why we created this new role was to address some of these questions and, and like, how do we better support students who want to start exploring early slash, I mean, a lot of times the parents want to like start talking about it early. And I, and I do understand, I mean, I know that can be a lot, um, but I think, you know, previously when it was just two college counselors, I mean, some schools, like you said, Tony Rowe is like, have like one guidance counselor does all of it. Right. So I think we're already in a place of privilege with the amount of staff that we do have, but 
I think having now one person who's really geared on ninth and 10th like college and career planning, that's going to be great. Um, so I think, so all that to say that our pro, we're still kind of developing our program for what that looks like, but you know, there's a lot of really great resources out there now that I wish existed when I was like in high school. Um, there's this one, like this is not sponsored, sponsored at all, but road trip nation is a really great free website that you can go on to. I show the students this all the time. It's like literally three questions you answer of like, what are two topics you're interested in? Like education, social justice, um, STEM, like, you know, there's a million other ones. Or those are just things like a business, right? And then it's like, what are a couple of things? Like, do you like working with your hands? Do you like mentoring? Do you like being outside? Literally, it's like a 30 seconds to answer these three questions. And then they give you all these different possible careers. Because a part of it, I think, too, is like, you don't know what you don't know. Right? I talk to students a lot about that, too. So like, they're, I don't even know what I like, you know, because they're so, because they're young and I get that. So that this website, and of course there's a lot of other stuff out there too, but like, it's great because it, after just a few questions, it's like, okay, well, these are, these are a bunch of different careers that are aligned with some of these interests. But then even on top of that, what I think is even so helpful, it actually connects you with real people who have those jobs, who have been interviewed on the Road Trip Nation's website with like, here's what my daily life looks like. Here's my education trajectory through high school, through college. Did I go to graduate school? What were my jobs? Like it basically has a deconstructed LinkedIn on their page and sometimes even has their LinkedIn profile uh, like linked on there too. But it has, there's so much information out there. And like, I learned about this at a conference last year and I was like, I wish this existed when I was in high school. Because I show students this and they're like, and you can just, it's like the best feeling when you show someone a resource and they're like, oh my God, I can explore this now. And this is like so exciting, right? So I think a lot of kids love resources like that where they can just like a couple quick hits and then start exploring. Um, We're also this spring, we're doing our first like ever like college and career fair on campus. So we're not only are bringing in college reps, we're also utilizing our like alumni network and like parent network to come come in and like table basically after school for like different careers that they have like like companies that they represent um again just to give kids like more exposure to what's out there um i think that is huge and i think and i think also thankfully most colleges are still like allow you know flexibility of changing your major up through the end of your second year of college so i think also telling students like it's told most people do change their major at least one time in college. Like unless there's a couple select um, universities across the country and especially a couple of universities, a lot of colleges abroad. Um, that and really- also Olivia, a lot of, sorry to interrupt. See, look at me interrupting. I was just going to say, and also majority of the time people have majors and they don't even use it. Yeah. Just wanted to name that also. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there's just, there's so much wrapped up on this. I mean, we, I feel like I could have a whole, I could just talk to, for an hour just about that whole question too you know like I have students when I a lot of times I either have students that say I want to major in computer science or engineering I'm like okay or they're like business and I'm like okay why business And a lot of times I get like oh I want to make money I want to have a stable job you know and I understand I I understand where that thought pattern is coming from but my hope and like as I continue to work in this field is I can help provide students like more resources like there's other options out there like, if you really want to do that, great. But there's also a lot of other options that give you stable, like, high-earning jobs that aren't, you know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's so much. I'm also just thinking, too, I'm like, oh, they want to make more money so they can afford therapy. Come on. Right? <laughs> because, 
therapy is so expensive if you don't have insurance. And even with insurance, it's still expensive. So anyways, I digress. You're absolutely correct. Right? Like, I mean, I remember being a kid too and being like, I want to make all the money and then realizing what all I have to do to make more money. And I was like, nah, actually, I don't. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, again, just like trying to normalize for students as much as possible. Like, it's okay if you're not 100% sure what you want to do. Like, I I didn't know what I wanted to do going to college. Like, I ended up becoming a teacher. and I loved being a teacher, but I also, that was not my plan going into college. I kind of realize it over my time there. Right. So like, I really try to normal, I think some kids just put so much pressure on themselves. And I, I mean, it's, it's hard, but like just trying to tell kids, you know, you have options, like your resources, you don't even have to decide by the time you apply, you go to college, like you have time. And then even with your major, like you said, Tony Rose, like even with your major, like there are other options open. So I think trying to give kids space to explore and allow things to be a little bit malleable, which I know it can be hard for some kids who just want a very clear answer and just like things to be one or another. But um, yes, offering that space to explore. It's huge. I could just see so much alignment here, right? Of like so much pressure. And then that's when they, that's when they go to Pauline to talk about this anxiety. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> holding on to, especially in the Asian community, there's a lot of anxiety with performing as a perfectionist, right? And so, I mean, this is just so great how like, your roles are so different, but then it's also like just you're supporting students essentially to be better humans um, outside of school. And that I think is really, really important. Um, And so just like, you know, for educators, right, who are listeners, who are listening, because a lot of our listeners are educators and school leaders, um, and also like students and caregivers, what advice would you give them about how to best utilize the services of school counselors and college counselors to achieve their educational career goals? Um, I think for me, at least, I'm still kind of discerning what make like, I don't know if I have a fully formed, like, response to that. Yeah, I think, at least for, for, for educators, like for other teachers, like, I really want them to know that, like, our college counselors, like, like we're, in, we're in your corner, like, we care about the kids, and we care about making sure that, like, your questions are answered, too. I mean, like... And I know it doesn't happen as, I mean, for college, our our biggest interface with teachers is more for like letters of rec and stuff. But, you know, like I had a student last year who was a senior transfer and her first semester grades were looking a little bit like I wasn't quite sure about how her grades were going. And I checked in with a teacher of hers who also was her volleyball coach. And we had a really great conversation about this student, how to support her. And then like, hmm, like what would be the best step for her next after she graduates, you know, and like those kinds of conversations are just like so helpful and just, I mean, I just love building community in any environment. Um, and like educators are just the best people. So um, I think there's that. And I think in terms of like students and caregivers, I think especially, especially caregivers, like families that we, you know, we don't see like at, on campus as often, like as much as they can, you know, come into our virtual events or check out our resources online, or if they can't come to school, we're starting to host, I think starting in November, we'll be hosting like coffee with counselors. So like one morning a month, um, parents and guardians and caregivers are, you know, welcome to come into the counseling office and we all just have treats and donuts and stuff. So they can kind of put a, a face to the name. Um, and obviously that's that's depending on, on if uh, caregivers can actually get here, right? And work-wise and that kind of thing. So I know there's never like a perfect solution for all of it, but um, I think I have the best interactions with families when I've met them before, when I've had a face-to-face interaction or even a phone call of like, 
Hey, I saw there was a really long stressed out email from a parent. Like, let me, can I call you and can we talk about this? You know, or a student has a lot of concerns. Hey, is it okay if we call your parents or call, call a caregiver that like you, you feel close with and we can talk this out together. If I sense that there's, they're on different pages, you know, and just trying to meeting, meeting them where they're at. And, um, I always tell students this too. And I think this goes for a lot, a lot of things. Like I'd much rather them like come talk to me if they have a concern or if their parents have a concern rather than like suffering in silence or like saying, oh, well, Miss Matayuchi's not actually that helpful. Then, well, please come talk to me then. I'm happy to like meet you where you're at. But like just like that advocacy piece and reaching out is huge. And I feel like that's a perfect segue for you, Pauline. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been thinking about this question for a while and it's really hard to answer. Um, but I would say the first thing that came to my mind, I don't even know if like I, I was helpful in this situation, but, and it's not, I don't know. I don't think all teachers would agree with me, but, um, I did have an incident or a situation where a student was very depressed and was just like, I can't, I don't have the energy to turn in my work, do my work. I can barely read. Um, and I had one teacher, who who graciously was like how do you think like not having them turn in work would work out and I was like really shocked by that because like not a lot of teachers would ever say that you know as an accommodation but like that was the only thing I would think of but I rarely bring it up because there's so much um I, I don't know what to say like back not backlash, but maybe some hesitation for doing that because, you know, homework, for some teachers, like homework is super important. Like that's how they get their grade. But um, like that teacher specifically, like I think they said, you know, there's a commonplace argument that school is supposed to prepare you for the real world. Right. And, you know, mental health issues are real. Like this student is depressed and, you know, like I don't want to usher them into a world where like, they can't accommodate that because why not? Because I can do it. You know, like I'm the teacher. I have choice to create my own curriculum and support my student. And then that's what they did. Um, so not every teacher did that for that student. But having that teacher do that for them, like they graduated just fine. And, you know, like they really attributed like that connection with that teacher, like as like their support system, like they really made it through because of like, someone just providing them kindness so I just wish more like like teachers could see that that doesn't deter them from you know like on their next pathway whether that's college or not but just seeing that these are real issues and just to treat them as like yes these are real but like your kids need you so um I don't think that answers the question but that was just the first thing that that came to mind of just like how, to, how teachers could or educators could like support students in that way. That was beautiful. Like, I hope that you celebrated that teacher for doing that because that is huge. Um, I always say to myself and to others too, like our students are human beings first, right? And they will always remember how you treated them versus like whatever it is that you taught. <laughs> Like, I couldn't tell you what I learned in school, but I can tell you how Dr. N made me feel. I could tell you, like, specific teachers that made me feel really loved and welcomed. Um, and so I think that that teacher had a really, I don't want to say progressive, but like a very nurturing and caring way of taking care of the student. Um, 
because you're right, like our students are coming in with so many different layers and they need all the support and our work sometimes it does need to be like paused and like, you know what, let's take care of you first, because if we don't take care of you, you cannot show up at all in any capacity. So that's a great way to wrap this up, y'all. Like, wow, heavy stuff and also like exciting stuff, right? Like thinking about the future for college and like what life is going to look like outside of the K-12, because that itself is really important. That's what we're doing as teachers, as staff, right? To make sure that our students are able to survive in the real world, like you said, Pauline, right? Like these are real situations. These are real lives. These are real people that are dealing with all these real things. Um, And so how can our listeners connect with you, Pauline, and then Livia? They can always check out my organization. Um, it's called Asian Counseling and Referral Service. They're really great. I, I love it there. So, oh, so yes. yes, yes, yes. How about you, Olivia? Yeah, um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, or I'm on, I guess, like I'm on my, my school as a college counseling page. So Eastside Catholic College Counseling. Yay. Um Again, I just want to say that I am so grateful for your presence and thank you for being in my life when I needed you the most. Um, And so thank you. I, I really just appreciate you both just showing up today for me and constantly, right? And so listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org and you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 162. We'll have this episode's transcript uploaded by Friday, so be sure to check back to access those. Also, we are asking our listeners to leave a review if this podcast has been helpful in supporting you to create a blended self-paced mastery-based learning environment. It does help other folks find it. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you, Pauline. Thank you, Livia. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students and schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.